pray for these that have been mentioned, the eyes and bodies, strength and power, uh, for healing for backs, for vertebrae, for skeletal issues, dear Lord, physical issues, whatever they may be, we pray. Thank you for the testimony today. We've got a good report. Our report is that Jesus rules and reigns. And we, our report is that Jesus heals today. And we know, the Lord, today you heal in a mighty way. And all these that have been needed, Leah and Karen, we pray, Lord, and thank you for the testimony of Al and Cindy. And, and Lord, we thank you for the baby, niece, uh, Ellen's niece. We thank you, Lord, even now that you're restoring Ralph's eyesight, but you're also building him up in the might and presence of, your, of the Lord. We pray blessings upon the honeymoon. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Bring the blood sugar into work and what you have made it to be in Johnny's life in the name of Jesus, Lord. And may he come to a saving knowledge just saying thank you, Lord Jesus, and just thank Jesus for it. I pray there will be a time of refreshing for he and Dolores at this time. For our brother Ray, complete, complete, complete restoration. Thank you for people you've had in our past, teachers, pastors, all of those. Pray and thank you that they've taught us the ways of God. They've shown us the ways of God. We thank you today for Kathy as she is proclaiming truth right now. And so the words of her mouth and right now are anointed by the Spirit, and we believe that, we receive it by faith. Thank you. For Lynette and Patrick as they've gone through this uh, major ordeal with the flood in Santa Fe. We ask you, Lord, to just restore what the enemies tried to tear down, what those things we know that come through. We thank you for your protection every day that we don't even see many times. But you protect us in, in, in the mighty name of Jesus. And we pray and lift up anything that has come to our hearts because you know those things. And we ask and we know, Lord, we have what we ask for because we know we know our God. We bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to Nehemiah. The vision, the purpose. We're talking about that because I think it's so important to know you have purpose here. You're not here by accident, as I mentioned. You're here because God somehow, you know, you came and said, I, I just need to know the Lord. I don't understand all this stuff, and sometimes these things seem to be way over our heads. Well, sometimes, you know, we all obviously know we're saying, Lord, we need to, to study and to learn and to grow. And yet you're here, and so I ask God to just impart a word of faith into your hearts today. But most of all, to show you, you're important in the kingdom of God. Just like it mentioned in what I felt God speaking, Lighthouse Fellowship is impacting the world with, uh, with a powerful influence that he provides. And uh, he is because of his presence in this place today. You know, that vision we talked about in, in chapter 1 of Nehemiah. We're going to look at chapter 2 of Nehemiah today. Um, the vision that's so important, the purpose in people's lives. And when you find your purpose, you have fulfillment. You feel fulfilled because you're doing the things that God has placed upon your heart. There's a burden. And maybe you see something that you feel like that you really would like to go in. And you know by doing this is that somehow it will make it better. And it will, there will be something. And, and you begin to feel fulfillment. You begin to feel that, that there's a purpose for you being here. And God does that. And so whatever that may be, 
then step out in faith. Begin to step out. Pray about it just like Nehemiah did, but begin to step out in faith because you have a vision. You say, well, you know what? I'm just trying to make it to heaven. Well, you know, we're going to heaven if by the grace of God. But until then, we've got things that God wants us to do. There are mighty things that he wants to do in the kingdom of God. And just as I mentioned, sometimes we don't feel like our prayers have any impact, and yet they're impacting the world. That prayer goes forth and releases power throughout. And when you pray for somebody, believe that God is releasing their power in that person's life. You're in a city, maybe for a neighbor or for a family member or maybe for healing or whatever it may be. Don't be discouraged. Know that God will use you. That's who he is. And when you look at what Jesus did, look at what he He impacted the world. He changed the world with the message of love and forgiveness and, and restoration, reconciliation with our God, knowing he had to die for our sins. Well, he's done it. He's equipped us. If we'll just get in on what he's doing, we'll see things happen like we've never seen before. The miracles of God. He's a supernatural God. He doesn't work the way we do. He doesn't think the way we do, obviously. I'm glad he doesn't. He doesn't do things. He just loves us. He loves people. The Bible says with an everlasting love, a love that goes from generation to generation. And today we just receive that love, Lord, from you and from your hand. And so you may have a vision, and it may be that you may need to help with something, maybe even say, for example, the food pantry, or you may have a vision for young people. You know, young people today need the Lord. Many of the millennials today are not in church today. There are, a lot of them are. We need to have a vision. And certainly we need to come around that. We don't change our message, don't get me wrong. But we need to obviously listen to these kids. You remember probably you and your father and your mother probably looked at your generation, those of us here today, and said, man, they're a lost cause. They are, God, there's no help for this group. Did everybody ever remember their parents saying that? Now we're saying the same thing about the millennials, aren't we? But you see, our God doesn't think like that. Our God wants us to have a vision and think the way he thinks and to say, no, they may be a little different than we are, obviously, and they may have ways that are not like ours, and, and we'll go, well, there's no hope for them. No, don't think that at all, because God says, I love people. I love the millennials. I love young people. I love those whose lives are in the gutter. And I want to bring them out. And I want to give them life and give it to them more abundantly. And you and I are instruments of his grace and his love. And you and I need to ask God, give me a vision, Lord. What do you want me to do? Can I do it for for Jesus? Can I do it for the kingdom of God? That's what Nehemiah did. He knew the walls in Jerusalem were broken down and Jerusalem had been destroyed. The Babylonians had come in and taken him captive and taken him actually a thousand miles away from Jerusalem. Now think about this. And during that time, you know, I think a thousand miles today is a long ways. Well, certainly we have cars that will go, well, I'm not going to tell you how fast I was driving getting here to church today. But, but I... The, the Lake City Police, they're riding up and down 518 looking for me right now. So don't tell them where I am. <laughs> don't tell them. But I'm saying, a thousand miles is a long way. And just think about it. He had a vision to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the walls. Sometimes our visions seem like there is no way I can do this, Lord. And a lot of times those visions will be that way too. Because God wants us to step out in faith. And walk by faith and not by sight. Faith pleases God. Faith releases the power of God. 
God certainly's heart is moved when we step out in faith. Faith is a victory. Faith is a victory. That's what he's saying. Walk by faith. Lighthouse Fellowship. I want to tell you today, I pray we will always walk by faith. Believing God. We step out and share. We risk at times. But really it's not a risk in that way. We believe. Sometimes we don't get it right, do we? Well, we're still children of God. We won't. And like Dan said, you store up in your warehouses, but it won't be complete in, in the way we know that God's going to bring it about until we stand face to face with Jesus. So step out and believe him for great things today. You know, you know something that maybe in a way you thought would be great if it were in place, something you felt like would really do a lot of good and so forth, and you have good intentions, but you don't want to step out in faith and do it because of whatever reason, maybe age, it may be that somehow you don't have the resources or whatever. Remember, everything that happens is by faith, believing God. Sometimes people say you're wacky. Some people are saying, well, you know, (laughs) because the vision you have may not be the vision that person has. Nehemiah, I'm sure, got criticism. But he did what God called him to do. And if each person in this place today would do what God told them to do, we could set the world on fire, let me tell you, in a good way, in a spiritual fire. If we'll just be obedient to the Lord, but it requires action, it's, to, it's actually, we need to actually do it. We just can't continue to receive it. So we receive the vision and then we respond to it. Let me, sh- I'll share with you what happened at this particular time. We are obviously looking at Nehemiah chapter 1. And I'm going to read through this as we talk about it and read through the different scripture. First of all, is Nehemiah responded patiently. Sometimes, you know, we say, Lord, I know and my pur- you have a purpose and we know the word of God tells me that and Jim's talking about it. But sometimes that purpose doesn't become crystal clear to us. But you have a little nudge on your heart and you begin to ask God, now, Lord, if this is a burden from you, then increase this burden. If it's not from you, then just remove it, remove it from my heart. Just whatever it is. And God will continue to increase it. Go to him. Remember, it's all about relationship with Jesus. And so we need to respond patiently. We need to wait upon the Lord. We don't like to wait upon the Lord. But as we wait patiently, then we know God's going to do something. But during the time that Nehemiah patiently, waited patiently, he actually patiently served. In other words, it's not a time just to do nothing, it's a time to serve. Then in verse 1, I'll read it. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but the sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed? So Nehemiah continued to do the job as the cupbearer. You remember what I said what a cupbearer was? They actually drank the drink before the king drank it because some people wanted to poison and kill the king. And they ate the food before Nehemiah ate it, or before the king ate it. And uh, if Nehemiah made it through and he wasn't poisoned, then the king obviously came in and ate the food. So Nehemiah continued to do what he was called to do. And that's what God is telling us to do. Serve where you are. 
Know that God will bless you and know that God will begin to sort of refine the vision that you have or the burden that you have as you do what God tells you to do. He wants to see whether or not you're faithful or not, you and I. Because if we're faithful with the small things, then he's going to give us bigger things to do. As Lighthouse Fellowship, as a corporate body, is faithful with the things that God has given us to do, then he's going to give us more things to do. Now, I think I may have talked to Dan about it, maybe some of the food pantry group. Sometimes it seems like in the food pantry, you know, we have different uh, vans that come from different areas and what Baycliffe and Dickinson and, 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 and Lamarck and all, and they'll come in. And man, you have a lot of people that will come in and hear, boy, our volunteers, they hit the road going. And they'll begin to, to package everything as organized and they'll take it out to the van and all and so forth. And then the next Thursday... We just have a few kind of coming in and so forth. You know, that group of volunteers are there serving faithfully. They are patiently continuing to serve those who come into this place. And the numbers weren't as big as, say, in the preceding week. But they are there faithfully serving day in and day out, week in and week out. And that's what we're to do, whatever it may be. God will provide if we'll be faithful. God will obviously abundantly pour out his blessings if we are faithful to do what he tells us to do. And whatever it is God is calling you to do, just start out doing. You know, that's why I always say is that don't despise a day of small things. We are to bless what God is doing, no matter what it is. I bless what God is doing here at Lighthouse Fellowship. You know, in my eyes, sometimes I think, well, you know, it's all, you know, it's somehow related to this or related to that. No, what it's all about is glorifying God. That's all it's related to, is glorifying God. So if you have a vision, and maybe it's something different than you're, you're currently doing, then uh, step out, do what you were doing, and do it with all of your heart as unto the Lord, and serve the Lord with that. Because it could be during that time as you wait upon the Lord, it's actually a testing that's taking place. Maybe God is refining your life. Maybe he's sort of getting you ready to do even more for his kingdom. There is a training ground that God puts us in. as a time of training. He's watching to see whether or not we're faithful. He knows what we're doing. Sometimes we think that we don't, God doesn't see what we're doing. He sees what we're doing. He knows whether or not you're faithful or not. And we know we start out here because of Matthew 25, 21. You have been faithful with a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. We need to do all the things as for the Lord, whether it's big or they're small. That's why when we first start out with the gifts of the Spirit, we won't do it perfectly. But we start out doing it because obviously we have to learn. We grow in that. And sometimes it seems like it's just maybe an encouraging word that we receive. We impart to somebody or give to somebody. And we don't think there's much to it. Oh, it's really powerful. More powerful than what we realize. But we've got to start out. You know, a baby doesn't start out just talking, you know, plainly. They start out by jabbering. Jackson was jabbering today. And Jackson was talking, wasn't he? And Jackson was jabbering more today than he has in the past, wasn't he? He's learning to talk, you know, and, and all. And somehow maybe we could get this room set up with a speaker in it. Or is there a speaker in it, Tom? Maybe we can get it set up somehow where, where mothers who have jabbering children, which is normal, to have a place where they can hear the sermon, they can see, and yet will be sort of like it won't be quite as, uh, as loud and profound here in the sanctuary. 
And, uh, but anyway, he was chapter learning. We're learning, aren't we? And that's what it is all about. Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. So don't walk around grumbling and complaining. Just somehow God's not using you and maybe you feel like he should be using you. He is using you. Do what God told you and go back to the last thing God told you to do and then begin to do that. The second thing is Nehemiah patiently prayed. We saw where Nehemiah was praying and fasting and so forth. Prayer will prepare us because it is a relationship with Jesus. And in verse 4, the king said to me, what is it you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven. He shot up a prayer. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to say and you go, Lord, help me. I need help. Quick, quick. Well, your prayer life has already prepared you, but these short, I call them breath prayers, are there to go back and, Lord, I need help. Would you share them? And Nehemiah prayed at that time because the king is saying, what do you want? And so what Nehemiah began to do was he began to pray and all, again, he'd already been praying and fasting because the word of God in 1 Thessalonians 5 says pray continually. We need to be patient and pray. And then we know Nehemiah went before the king. He was prepared and God was given favor between Nehemiah and the king. What do you want? Well, here this king was all powerful. Remember who he is. Kings are not necessarily like sometimes people we see today. These kings were really, they were um, extremely uh, cruel uh, they, they killed people on the spot. They did all types of things. And yet Nehemiah had, had gained favor from the Lord because God was answering Nehemiah's prayer. He was beginning to, begin to, to unfold the vision, the burden that he had. What's your burden today? Think about it. Stop right now. What's your burden? Anybody share with me? What's your burden Healing, complete healing, complete restoration. Pays in your knees, the burden on your physical healing. Pain in my lower back and legs. Pain, healing, healing for everybody in back, skeletal issues. A burden for anybody, burden for your neighbor? Anybody have a burden for your neighbor? A burden for Lynette? Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind. For my children. For the children. For your children. A burden for your children. Okay, anybody else? A burden for feeding the children this summer. Dan has, a, has gotten in touch with a program and the volunteer, volunteers here, and we're looking at... Um, bringing boxes of food in for children when they get out of school, their school season's over with, to feed them, for them to come here and receive a, a food, a burden for children. And then also, obviously, it's more than just feeding them physically. It's a part of feeding them spiritually. And also, Dan's checked into it. And we have uh, some real open doors as far as feeding them spiritually also. We need to explore that too, by the way. We need to uh, look at um, if we need to get some simple Bibles for their age group, if we can kind of determine what group it is and how old they are, and we may want to get some Bibles for them that, you know, uh, a translation on their level. How about that? Yeah, we'll see the age group that, that we get here to 
Okay. And we'll. Okay. Let's keep that in mind because the children, a burden for the children. How about um, for this country? For the United States of America? For the servicemen, a burden for our servicemen. What can we do about it? Remember the vision, okay? And remember, a vision's always, and Nehemiah was building the wall, but remember, it's basically, it's about people. It's about people. So we're praying for them, and then also the different uh, um, things, supplies that they may need. Good, our service people. Uh, Jim, may I just add, it's a, uh we now have uh, a military of men and women, and uh, they're doing a fabulous job taking care of this country. Some of them are giving their lives for us so that we are able to sit here in this church this morning and hear the word of God. And I praise the work that our military is doing. They give unselfishly for us. Pray for them, prayer, and other needs as the Lord envelops that. These are burdens because y'all wouldn't be bringing them up. Anybody else? Jerry. Pastor, I, I, my burden is so many. To see more people wanting for this kingdom because that's what this whole entire ministry is about. It's about bringing more souls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've, just, I've been burdened with that for years. Okay. Evangelism, Evan reaching out and sharing the gospel with those, bringing them in. Um, you know, I mentioned last week, my, a burden that I have is that when I really stop is for, for the younger people, um, young couples to get in and, and to be a part of the body. They're busy today, aren't they? They're making money, a lot of them are, but they don't have the spiritual food. They're not equipped to live this life and uh, it's tough on them. Uh, keep it in mind. Nehemiah, remember, began to pray. Remember, all these are burdens, okay? And all of you may not have mentioned a burden, but God is going to release that. I'm asking the Spirit of the Lord to release that vision for each one of you here. It may not be like the, the other one, uh, the next person sitting beside you, but it might be something, obviously, what God is doing here. Now, God had given him favor. Remember that. Don't worry about what it entails. Don't worry about the monetary things about it. Do not worry about that. Because God will release the finances and the financial things if we'll just step out in faith. He will do that. If it's a burden God's given you, remember, in Nehemiah, he gave favor with the king. He said, what do you want? Remember, he wanted safety. He wanted, obviously, the wood that was needed. He wanted to be, uh, a house built when he got back. He asked the king for all these things. And, obviously, the king granted it to him. So this is kind of a parallel, a symbolism here of our relationship with the Lord. If you have a burden then remember, God is releasing a burden. He has not called the church just to come in here and sit in the pews for a couple hours on a Sunday morning. He's called the church to get out and touch people with his love because people today are, need, are hurting. People today are lost. They need Jesus in their life, and he wants us to be bold about it. And the Bible tells us is that we're to be bold. We can approach his throne of grace with confidence. Hebrews talks about that. So... God began to grant Nehemiah success. Now, also, we're moving along in verse 8. Nehemiah responded by praising. 
And because the gracious hand of God, my God was upon me, the king granted my request. Nehemiah recognized it was God and was making things happen, and he gave him the credit. He began to thank him. He began to praise him, just like being spoken of here. God inhabits the praises of his people. We're praising him. Ancient of days. Don't you love it? I love that song's one of my favorite. <laughs> oh, Lord. Ancient of days, Daniel 7. Love it. That's who our God is in. Just, the, just that, just praising him, just worshiping him and thanking him. God does that, doesn't he? And so, obviously, um, when you begin to see things happen, um, don't let pride come in. Because sometimes we say, you know, well, this is really paying off here. Aren't I something? And then you say, you know, God, you sure are lucky that I'm in your kingdom helping you out. That's pride, isn't it? Some people I would say, you know, sometimes I talk to them and say, Jim, I'm real pride, proud that there's no pride in my heart. <laughs> pride is an open door for the devil. Pride is an open door for the enemy to come in and you'll scoot right in there. That's how Lucifer fell and how all his fallen angels, he wanted to become, obviously, like God, wanted to take over God's place. And, you know, when we are not dependent upon the Lord and when we're not walking by faith and we're just kind of walking short shufflings through sight, you know, obviously God loves us. But what moves the heart of God is we're believing God for great and mighty things. And great and mighty things are way beyond what you can imagine. He's a call upon me, and I'll show you, and I'll answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things you couldn't even imagine. They go way beyond. You know, when God works, I was talking to a guy yesterday, and I was talking to him about how, what to do and what was going on in his life, and, and uh, he was telling me and so forth, and I, I was telling him how maybe a good maybe approach to pray about it and so forth. And it, it was like, I sat there and watched him. It was like the Lord opened his eyes to the reality of, oh my goodness. As you mean, this is happening? And it dawned on him like that. God was revealing to him that this was not against that lady that continued to come against him, but it was against the enemy using that lady to try to stifle a vision that this guy has about leading a Bible study. You know, the enemy, she was, just, she was just coming down on him and saying all these things like, you know, what about this and that and all. And all of a sudden, after continuing to pepper, they're in a group now, and they're in teaching, and they continued on. And then all of a sudden, she gave this little uh, smile like, ha ha, I'm going to get you off course. And she, he said, Jim, what is going on? And I said, the enemy is well, probably well-meaning. But remember, it's not against that lady. It's against that and the enemy that's trying to tear down the vision that God has given you because he's brought a, a group are coming together and studying the Bible on Friday. Maybe a group in your life and maybe even, I know, over in Mariposa and, and a group of people studying the Word. And I know you have that. But maybe it is to develop that even more. Or maybe here in the community, Ellen and, and I think Connie, and, Connie and, and all, they go to a group here. It's a large group. How many did you have last week, Ellen? Uh, we had 16. And they come together and study the Word. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can just, this is awesome. They come together and do that. Maybe it might be that. Whatever it may be, whatever the burden is, follow through with it. But we need to obviously praise the Lord, and we need to be a people of praise, don't we? You know, 
I want to tell you, God is doing great things. He is moving upon his people. And, and we need to get involved in it because God has called us at a time for such a time as this, not just to go through the motions, but to be used. But you will have opposition. And we'll talk about it in just a minute. I will talk about it. it it's about people. It wasn't about the wall necessarily. It always will be about people. God loves you and he loves me. He loves me and he loves you so much. And so often, because of the luggage we carry through life, we forget that. And we're detoured. We, we get off message. We get off because somebody says a harsh word at us. And maybe it hurts you. And maybe it's been in your past. And it's still in your life. I want to encourage you. Forgive that person. Release that person. Let God deal with that person. And get free from that. Whatever it may be. God is saying, I brought people forth to give them freedom. God doesn't want us in bondage, but so often even Christians get back in bondage because of their past. And maybe it was before we came to the Lord or whatever it may be. God, Jesus is a, is a God of freedom, and God wants us to do that. It's all about freedom. It's all about people. It's about our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'll talk about this church. This church is to be a, a, a church where people at every stage of life can come and be ministered to so that they can minister to others. This church is to be a church where we minister to those who are younger and older, in school and out of school, those with kids and without kids, those who who work and those who are retired. To be a church where being the church is more important than doing the church. To be a church that glorifies God and exalts the name of Christ in everything we do. To be a church that is more interested in where people are heading than when they've been. Think about that. Don't worry about a path. We all have paths, don't we? But where are we going? The forgiveness of Jesus is complete. To be a church that encourages people to take the next step of faith and maturity from whatever point they're at. To be a church where the healthy help the hurting and the hurting are becoming healthy. To be a church where the words love God, love people, and live it out is more than just a motto. It's a way of life. It's always about people. Serve where you are. And let God begin to refine the vision that he has for you, a burden, whatever it may be, as you pray. It may be a prayer of just saying, Lord, I just need your help. I'm going through a tough time. I need your help. Now, I want to mention a couple things. I want to always, I always tell you the reality. And Cindy and I have talked about this because I know I talk a lot about this because I want you to be aware of it as your pastor. And as your pastor, I want to mention again that I, something I mention a lot. But when you begin to step out in faith for the vision that God has given you, expect opposition. Expect the opposition that the enemy will bring. Now, I'll read a scripture here, and I want to talk to you just a moment. We'll close with this. In Acts chapter 20, verse 25, Paul is writing, And indeed... Now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Savage wolves. Were there wolves 
kind of the the wolf, the wolves we know of there uh, that are around, and a lot of them are in Canada and all that. Is that what he's talking about? No, he's talking about demons. He's talking about uh, actually symbolic of demons coming in. I looked this up and I began to read about it. If you know anything about a wolf, a wolf will size you up and look at you. And I mean, sometimes they look kind of, they're real furry. Of course, they've got the heavy coats on and all that. And they'll look at you. And they look kind of meek and mild and all. But as a, a wolf looks at you, he's actually sizing you up, preparing to attack. He always is. And then he'll howl and he'll call the whole pack in. And he looks kind of like, you know, well, we, you know, we have stuff stuffed animals of wolves and all this sort of stuff but they are vicious and they're tenacious and they attack and they size you up and just when you feel like maybe everything is okay is that's when they attack and they're very very vicious it's the same way with the enemy he knows our weakness he knows obviously that he does not want you to fulfill your high calling and Jesus Christ. All right? He does not want you and me. He does not want the church to prosper. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus said. And he will size you up. So when you step out and you begin to get this burden, expect, obviously, opposition. The Bible says to be alert when you move out to fulfill the vision that God has given you. Because demonic realm, they're vicious. And Daniel 7, it says actually Satan wears out the saints. When you get the most tired, tell me, and if this is not true, it's when if you somehow have a little bent, and it may be just a little bent, towards depression, when you get tired and you get weary, that's when a lot of times you'll become the most depressed. When you get down in the dumps and when you start sort of beginning to doubt the word of God for whatever because he's peppered your mind with all these thoughts about God is not going to get you out of this mess because you got yourself in this mess and don't expect him to help you. He continues and he'll tell you every lie in the book. Expect opposition. The wolf is looking. Demons are looking. They watch you. Now those who are unbelievers... They don't bother with them. They're already, they're not in the kingdom of God. But if you're in the kingdom of God and you want to fulfill what God's calling is upon your life, the reality of the spirit warfare that's going on is real. Just like what Sid read over here from Ephesians 6. And our battle is not against people. Our battle is against the demonic realm, the darkness. When you get sick and down and out, that's when the enemy hits you the most. When you get sick, when you get down and you're tired, and let me tell you today, he is not prejudiced as far as your age. He attacks the young, he attacks the old, he attacks the middle age. He is not at all saying and having pity on you because he's here to take you out. I'm just telling you, I, as your pastor, I am responsible for telling you. I want the things of God. And there's a warfare going on. There's a vicious warfare. I won't, again, I've told you, over the last few months, there is vicious, he's vicious. And they're like those wolves. He sizes you up and he knows you better than you know yourself. And he attacks at night. 
I was looking at the, the news or something going on, and um, somebody was uh, T-boned another car at 325 in the morning, and somebody got killed. And the person that T-boned was drunk, 3 o'clock. You ever have that? How many of you have woken up right at 3 o'clock in the morning? Any of you? I have. Mm-hmm. Want to hear something? And don't think I'm crazy. I'm telling you the truth. Between 3 and 4 in the morning are when witches are praying against Christians. You ever heard that before? And you wonder. And you know what? You wake up and you go, why is it? Well, what the uh, doctor will tell you, well, you're just, I mean, you've come out of your realm sleep, so therefore, and all this, he'll give you a natural reason. No, it's spiritual. Get up. Don't turn the TV on. It's all junk. Pray and pray and ask God to bless you and to touch you and cover you at 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know how many times I have it done. And it's like, duh, you know, uh. I look at it and I'm going, man, I want some sleep. Why at 3 o'clock? It's because that's what's happening. There's a spiritual battle going on at night, and it happens at night. You think I'm nuts, don't you? Well, in some ways I am. (laughs) I'll admit to it. Uh, Get full of the Spirit. He has no respect for you. Um, When you're trudging through the muck and the mire, and you feel like, golly, type life is tough, and there are pains and aches in your body, and physical healing hasn't come in the time that you feel like, and you so forth, that's when he attacks. Bam. That's when he attacks, doesn't he? That's real, church. He's telling us, pray and believe. Put on that armor of God. It's Ephesians 6. Satan will do anything to stop and to hinder your fulfilling God's call upon your life. Either you want it, you don't. In closing, Ephesians chapter 5. Don't get drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit, right? The drunk with wine leads to debauchery, it says. He says, don't get drunk with wine. Don't get, get me wrong what I'm saying, but I'm going to associate something here. You know, you look at liquor stores. What does it say up there on liquor stores? I'll talk about drinking here one, one Sunday, all right, and I'm going to tell you my stand on it, all right. But sometimes when you look up there and you see it flashing, specs, wines and spirits, what do you do? You go in there and say, I want some of those spirits. No, you don't either. You don't want it. The Bible doesn't want you or me controlled by any other spirit except for the Holy Spirit of God. Don't go in there and say, I want some of those spirits. Because God is saying today, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk on the wine and those other spirits. Don't be controlled by any other spirit except the Holy Spirit of God. That's what he's saying. You're saying, Jim, you're getting kind of serious here about this, aren't you? Yeah, I'm real serious. Because I don't think we got a lot of time left. I don't know when. And we never know. I just know we're not as young as we used to be. Jesus could come back, couldn't he? Open your heart. The Bible says, obviously, when, we, when sometimes a, a demon's cast out, the place has been swept clean. You know what's it say? It says, uh, 
goes forth and, and those wandering spirits, they've been cast out and, and they're, they're called wandering. They wander. They look for a place to abide, a place to possess. It's not theirs, but they look for a place to possess. And it says they find that cleaned out space basically because it's not been filled with the Word of God and with the Spirit of God. If we're not filled with the Spirit of God, we're filled with something else. A lot of times that's to our detriment, isn't it? Don't be filled with any other spirits. And I just use that as an example, but and that's true, isn't it? Don't be filled with anything else except the Holy Spirit of God. Get empowered with the Spirit of God and let Him carry you through and give you the power to be an overcomer and also fulfill that purpose. Because when you and I stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, He's going to look and say, did you fulfill what I called you to do? I wanted you to do that. Remember that burden you had? And you said, there's no way I can do that, Lord. And you kept on throughout your whole life saying, I'll never be able to fulfill that. And God said, I wanted, to, I wanted you to step out in faith because I wanted to bless you. And yes, when we see him face to face, I want to tell you, there'll be like not the other experience we've ever had in our lives, but I want to tell you today, I believe there'll probably be some regrets in our hearts. We'll be ushered in, and by grace, through faith in Christ alone, we're saved, and we go into the kingdom. We may obviously have a replay of our lives to see whether or not we're faithful with what God had for us. That's what he's saying today. Are you fulfilling that? Are you asking God to do it? Are we just sort of shuffling through life, doing what we want to do? Age is no barrier. Age does not stop what God wants to do or hinder what God wants to do. God has a call upon your life and my life, and that call has never stopped. If we fulfill that call and step out in faith, that's all. But remember, we have the adversary. He's watching us. He's sizing us up to say, I'm going to try to stop you with doubt, unbelief. There's no way. Don't want to do it. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm not in the right place right now. Financially, I can't help. I want to tell you today, it is biblical to tithe in the church. Tithe is a tenth. A tenth is just the beginning. I'm not going to be legalistic here, but I will say a tithe is what we give. Remember, God owns it all anyway, doesn't he? A tithe is biblical. It is biblical. If you want to know what you're doing with the Lord, I want to tell you, I can tell by one way. Let me look at your pocketbook. You want to be blessed? Then tithe and go beyond as a sacrificial giving. Go beyond. Bless. Not legalistically to say, okay, you got to bless me now, God. Because I tithe. Jim said do this and do that. But if you tithe, God will bless you. He's done it in my life. He's done it in Cindy's life, and he's done it in your life. All these things are biblical. And I bring this up to say that God is the one that owns it all. And we just give back to him. And why? What it does is we trust him. God just wants to bless you with what he wants you to do, with a vision, a calling. And whatever it is he's calling you today, just step out in faith. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you today. Cover us in the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus around us and within us as a shield around every person in this place because every person in this place I know has a calling upon their lives. And I know, obviously, you're releasing vision in their lives, a burden for the kingdom of God. 
teaching young people, reaching out to the community, for our families, whatever it may be, for our health, whatever it may be, a burden that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Bless this church, Father. Bless us and help me to be faithful in sharing of the word, but also in just doing what you call me to do. I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.